0: Powered by MPB, this is the MPB Student Council Podcast, hosted by members of MPB Student Council. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org. Hear ye, hear ye. Welcome to our MPB Student Council Podcast, Episode 3, The Parent and Teen Communication Divide. My name is Kaylin Woodard, and I'm an eighth grader at Simpson Central. In this episode, we'll uncover various topics that are sometimes difficult to talk about with your parents. My name is Jenna Dent, 10th grader at Madison Central. Three student council members, their parents, and a local family counselor will sit down to discuss the difficulties of discussing topics including academics, drug awareness, bullying, mental health, and more in an effort to break down the barriers of communication with simple tips and solutions. Student council panel members, one by one, please introduce yourself and your parents to our audience. Hi,
1: I'm Deion Harrington. I am an 8th grader at Bayfield Junior High School. And this is my dad, John harrington Hello.
0: Thank you guys for coming.
2: Hi, my name is Corinne Allen, and I'm an eighth grader at Simpson Central School, and this is my mom, Deidre Clark-Allen. Hey. Thank you all for being here today.
1: Hi, my name is Miles Williams. I'm a 12th grader at Brandon High School, and I'm here with my dad, Eugene Williams. Hello.
0: Thank you guys for attending this conversation today. Before we begin our conversation, we'd like to welcome Dr. Christy Laster, owner of Mental Health Therapist and Consultant of Resolve to Restore Counseling Services. Welcome, Dr. Laster.
3: Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us.
0: Let's begin. Panelist one, please state your first topic of discussion and why you feel it's hard to talk about with your parents.
1: My first topic of discussion is romantic relationship because it's important for that education to be out there because it's a very sensitive topic that you should know, and it can sometimes be embarrassing.
0: Thank you for your answer, Mr. Harrington. How do you feel about what Dion just expressed?
4: I'm glad that he that he came forward about the information, but me and Dion we really we have an open relationship. We talk about just about everything. I try to normalize a lot of the situations so that he can feel comfortable, yeah. whatever that he feels that he wants to talk talk about, I allow that uh, just as long as we maintain the parent and the the child role um, so that he can just feel good about himself. I, I I don't put up those kind of walls or barriers with him because I want him to to feel like I'm a, a confidant as well as a parent, somebody he can trust to, to talk to him about anything. I'm a high school counselor, so I see it all the time. And but I see it on the end where sometimes it's it's gotten a little out of hand. So I'm glad that on this eighth grade level, he can, I can kind of instill some uh, the right direction to go in instead of, oh, Dad, I messed up. I want to catch it before the mess up.
0: <laughs> Thank you for your answer. And Dr. Laster, what are your recommendations for overcoming this particular communication barrier?
3: First, I would like to say thank you, Mr. Harrington, for bringing up the topic of romantic relationships. I think that it is very necessary and very needed. And thank you for Mr. Harrington Senior for mentioning how important it is to have such a supportive environment. Um, we notice as teens that they're already nervous about the topic of romantic relationships. If you've ever walked the halls of a middle school or a high school, dating of any kind can be very nerve wracking for them because they think emotionally more so than logically. And so I think that it's very, very important for um, our teens to understand that they have a support system that they can Come to for anything. Now, we do have to make sure we establish boundaries because we don't want those romantic relationships to cross whatever line that may be established by the parent. So we do want that boundary, but as parents, I would definitely encourage you guys to please not be squirmish about the topic. If you're squirmish about it, you're nervous about it, you're anxious about it, that makes them even more anxious when they're trying to find out what the big surprise is, and either you can tell them or they can get out there and experience it for themselves. So I think that is very, very important to help them understand the importance of it, understand the boundaries that are necessary, and understand how um, outside entities can have a impact on their romantic relationships. And that could be other peers, that could be alcohol or drug use, Um, and then the consequences of those romantic relationships if they're not handled in the best manner. So as long as we educate our teens on the front end, I think that they will feel comfortable having you as a support system and can move forward with making um, those decisions that are needed in those private conversations that they have with whoever they're deciding to have that remote romantic relationship with, whether it's through text message, on the phone, in the hallways, um, dinners, parties, they feel more confident in themselves and their decisions. And I think that's very needed. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Panelists two, please state your first topic of discussion and why you feel it is hard to talk about this with your parents. Hi, my first
2: topic would be how I ask questions about certain things going on around us. I chose this topic because as a teen, some things that happened, our parents seem to shield us from, like certain situations, and I would like to know how I would ask what is going
0: on. Miss Allen, how do you feel about what Corinth
5: has expressed? I think it's important um, for, your, for your children to know what's going on around them. I do understand as a parent You do have the tendency to want to shield them from things that we feel like may frighten them or may be a little bit much for them to handle. But I've always had the perspective of um, when your child asks you about it, whether you're ready to talk about it or not, that's the time to go ahead and have those conversations. So, um, anytime um, any of my children have come to me and questioned anything about what's happening on the news, what's happening in our community, what's happening in our family. Um, I just say, well, you know, let's sit down and have a conversation about that. So I think it's important for children to be able to ask what's happening around them. And I think that, you know, that's the time to go ahead and dig in and have those difficult conversations. And sometimes as a parent, you do have to take a deep breath because they are difficult conversations. But, you know, we believe in the motto, I can do hard things. And even parents have to admit that and um, just roll up your sleeves and jump in.
0: Thank you so much for your answer. Dr. Laster, do you
3: have any advice on this specific barrier? Miss Allen, great, great, great response. Um, I love it. And the reason why I say that um, is because that's exactly what we have to do. I have three teenagers myself. And sometimes when things go on, I'm in my office and I'm deep dive into session and I'm working with my clients. So my phone may be put to the side and my social media or news outlets may be pushed to the side. But I try to make it a habit just to check in with the world kind of regularly so I can know so I can meet the needs of my client base, whether it's teens or adults. However, when I put my parent hat on as well, I want to make sure that I'm in tune with what's going on because sometimes I'll notice that they will get the news before I get the news. And I try to make sure I check in with them. With this being 2022, parents, one thing that I recommend or suggest that will be a good practice is if you hear that something is buzzing in the area or on the news and you know your child has a cell phone, go ahead and take out that phone and say, hey, I just want to check in with you. I heard that this incident may have happened and I love you and regardless of what happened, I'm there for you. So if we can kind of curve the message before the rest of the world can on, with our children and our babies, I definitely think that that's important. And just let them know once you guys get home or see each other, whether it's in the car, at practice, dinner, um, we'll talk about it. So if you have any questions I'd rather for you to ask me, than searching for those answers yourself. And so I think that that's very, very important for them to understand that the pandemic just um, what's well, still going on, but we're hopefully prayerfully are getting to the end of it. But I think it's very important that we acknowledge what's going on. Don't try to cover it up because if they've already heard about it and you try to cover it up, they feel that they can't trust you with what the inf- um, with the information that you give them. And that makes them want to go out there and find the information themselves. But if we meet them head on and we model how to handle things that are going on in the world, then we provide a great example for them. We can't shield them from everything, but we can educate them on how to practice calmness and logic in situations that may be difficult. And we can also teach them how to express their emotions and their thoughts without having to keep them bottled up inside.
0: Thank you so much for that great answer. Panelist three, please state your first topic of discussion and why you feel it may be difficult for you to talk about with your parents.
1: My first topic is just having an open communication with my dad because, you know, ever since I was younger and growing up, I was always told to um, like, nobody's going to know what's wrong with me or able to help me fix the situation if nobody knows. So I always just took that and, you know, kept an open communication with my dad. And, you know, and there's different situations that can happen and different things like that. And so he always, if I don't bring a situation up, he'll bring it up that way because he, he doesn't want me to experience something somebody else has experienced or he experienced in the past. So that's it.
0: Thank you for that great answer. Mr. Williams, how do you feel about what Miles has just expressed?
6: I totally agree with what Miles said. Um, Normally, we have open and honest communications, just to reiterate what he said. I don't want him to find out from someone else who gives him the wrong information. And also, we'll try and, well, me more so than my wife, I'll try and roll over into a life experience that I may have had to keep him from making the mistakes that I've made in life.
0: Thank you. And Dr. Laster, what do
3: you feel about this Um, Thank you, Mr. Miles, um, for your topic. This is a hot topic that I get from my teens that come and sit on my couch. Um, They first and foremost, like, I can't talk to them. They won't listen to me. And I'm like, who is they? Why won't they listen? They think they write about everything. And I'm like, hold on, let's talk about it. And when they come in here, they're just ready to release. And so, Mr. Williams, thank you for also saying that you try to relate it to a real life situation, because that's what teens do. They want it to be relatable. They want an honest response. And I think that that's very important. And there's two types of communication that I share with uh, my teen's when they come into my mental health practice, as well as the parents when I'm working with them on how they can support their team um, through their mental health journey. And that is center communication and youth center communication. It sounds very simple, but I want to make it even more simple. Who's leading the conversation? Is the parent directing the conversation? Are you dominating it? Are you overly focused on what you're trying to get across? Or are you pausing yourself, pausing your conversation and pausing your thought process to be able to receive what your team is trying to communicate with you? They will respect that, one. And then two, you will model positive communication within the relationship, within the parent-child relationship, and then they can take those same skills and they can communicate those skills out into the world. And so I think it's very important that we make sure that we're not dominating a topic that they came to us for. And um, as Mr. Williams said, we don't want them to get the wrong information. So we can give them the information we would like for them to have or they're going to go out there and find it themselves. So we want to make sure that we are um, changing the narrative and and keeping those open lines of communications with our children. So I would say, make sure you're always ready to listen. Um, I always try to understand what's going on from the teens perspective. Remember, they are teens. They're not adults, but let them express their perspective. always contact, um, connect with them daily, have some type of contact with them, Um, sit down and talk with them about their day. It could be so natural. They won't even realize you're asking them. And a lot of that will already have created a foundation for open communication. So that way, when they need to ask you something, it's automatic. It's not a, well, maybe I can talk to them now, or I don't know if I should ask them now. If we've already paved that way and we've already uh, created an open child communication, there's nothing they won't feel comfortable with asking um, us as parents, and they won't feel comfortable or feel like they have to hide from uh, parents either. So I definitely think that that's important.
0: Thank you so much for your answer. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Panelist one, please state your second topic of discussion and why you feel it is hard to talk about this with your parents. My second topic
1: of discussion is puberty because it is also a very sensitive topic
4: and it can really endorse.
0: Thank you, Dion. Mr. Harrington, how do you feel about what Dion has expressed?
4: Same as the, the first topic. Uh, first off, you, you really need to, with puberty, um, you need to make sure that you're sharing your values um, about how things go on. Be honest with your, stu- with your child. Have that talk early so that you can go on and get that open line of communication out there. But children learn from their parents. If you allow your child to, to get information elsewhere from the media, they're going to be influenced by the media. You, get, you allow them to get it from their friends, they're going to be influenced by their friends. If you put it out there from the, a responsible adult, which is the parent, uh, that will allow that child to, to have some morals about themselves and to think about things a little bit more. Uh, build that trust and be open and honest.
0: Thank you, Mr. Harrington. Miss Lester, do you have
3: any advice for this specific divide? Mr. Harrington, I can tell you really thought about your topics. I love it great, great, great topic is very needed. Um, yes, I do have a just a short, brief response. Um, and most of it is centered around education. Parents, I would strongly, strongly, strongly say, please educate your team on what is going to happen during puberty. Um, And just for the sake of the conversation, I want to read a definition of what puberty actually is. Sometimes we hear that word, but we don't know what it is. So it's when changes start in your child's brain. Notice I said brain, not necessarily body, starts in their brain that causes certain hormones to start being released from their gonads, which is a part of the body, so organ, and that um, tends to develop throughout their teenage years. Now, this can happen um, for girls as early as 10 years old um, and for boys as early as 11 years old. Now, we have early bloomers and we have late bloomers. So parents, we have to make sure that we meet our children where they are. And that's why we see such a big narrative, uh, um, excuse me, a big difference um, between Middle schoolers and high schoolers and who may develop sooner and who may not. And so that's why I think it's important to start having this conversation with our youth around that eight year old, nine year old mark. So when they start to see these changes within themselves, they aren't shocked. They aren't scared. They don't think that it's just them. They know that this is a natural part of developing into a teen as well as an adult. And so I think that that's very, very important. And give us some ideas on what those changes could look like, how we may start to think differently, how our skin may start to look different. Sometimes our hair may start to look different. We may notice sweating. So not only do we see the changes externally, internally, their brains can also be shifting and they may be thinking, why am I thinking a little bit different? But if we prepare them and we educate them and tell them we're here, if you start noticing these signs, these are some things you can do, call me, text me, or tell me, and then we can uh, take it from there. So I think it's a very needed topic and I think we definitely need the education around puberty and the topic.
0: Thank you for that answer. You're welcome. Panelists two, please. That your second topic of discussion and why you feel it may be difficult to talk about with your parents.
2: So my next topic will be about teens' mental health. I chose this topic because across the world, all teens have had a rough time with the pandemic and what has been going on. And as a teen and being around lots of other teens, we don't really know how to cope with our feelings and mental health. And it's hard to talk about because in my opinion, I don't want my parents to be worried about
0: me. Thank you, Corinne. Ms. Allen, how do you feel about what Corinne just expressed?
5: Well, I totally agree with her that the pandemic has certainly heightened for teens and adults, um, you know, stresses and um, just a lot of different emotions. But I also understand, too, that I think that for a lot of us in our generation, mental health really wasn't something that we talked about a lot, Um, a lot of times in our community and with our parents. You know, it just was something that was kind of taboo. It was just kind of, you'll be all right. Keep your problems to yourself. So I think one of the things that we can do is be aware of the fact that we weren't, we weren't really talked to a lot about mental health with our parents, but being aware of that, then we can seek resources that maybe we just definitely, that we weren't raised with ourselves. You know, there are, there's a lot of good literature out there. Another issue I think with us is kind of being from a smaller, more rural town, there aren't a lot of resources. There's not a Dr. Christie in our area. So there aren't a lot of resources for us to tap into to seek uh, support for our teens. So I think that's important. But one of the things that I think that we can certainly do is just model for our, for our teenagers, you know, taking care of ourselves, Um, let them hear us talking to other people about having had a rough day, let them see you take care of yourself mentally, um, let them know that it's okay to be stressed, but, you know, that, you know, we can cope with it. You know, we don't let ourselves get too far, you know, without seeking some sort of assistance. So I think that's an interesting topic that I think a lot of parents in our generation, I know that we happen to have some mental health uh, professionals here. So you guys have been trained in that, but I think a lot of parents in our generation don't really have a lot of those resources. So we're just trying to be more open with it than our parents were with us and just kind of take it one day at a time. Thank you so much for your answer. Dr. Laster, what are your recommendations
3: to overcoming this particular communication to barrier? Oh my, so I love it. I love it, I love it. Thank you, Ms. Alan, again for this topic. You guys did such a great job picking topics. So I like to lead with facts. The facts say that, as Ms. Allen said, we do live in a rural state um, in Mississippi can sometimes tend to be behind the trend um, with things that are going on nationally. However, um, I do think that there are some positives that are going on in Mississippi as well. And one um statistic that I want, well, possibly two statistics that I want to share um, just for the viewers and for parents that are listening and other teens who are listening, is that there was a study, several studies conducted by um, the Mental Health of America, the national, which is the nation's leading nonprofit entity. And they created this valuable resource where they give an annual survey and it's called the State of Mental Health in America report. And the most recent one that was released in 2022, this year, contained data from 2019. So this is all pre-pandemic. And what they shared is, is that a large percentage of Mississippi's teens do not get the mental health services that they need. To be honest, we rank number two across the nation. That's about 31,000 of Mississippi teens who don't get the help that they need. Another statistic that I would love to share, Ms. Um, Allen um, also talked about this, and that's that um, our youth of color, they definitely don't get the mental health support that they need at home, because as we said, parents don't know about it, or they may have been raised under the stigma or the thought process, what happens in this house stays in this house, or don't tell people our business, and that creates a scariness or nervousness for our teens, and so they feel like if they can't talk at home, can they talk to anyone, and so what we notice is that um, students of color, tend to get more of their mental health services from schools. Well, K-12 schools now in turn may need to increase that. And there's a lot of research that suggests that. So I do want to make sure that that is out. And I also want to share that youth have experienced at least one major depressive episode, at least 15%. That is a lot of our babies in this state. And so I think that we definitely need to shift the narrative, which is what this um broadcast will do um around the topic of mental health and not make it so taboo and so as parents what can we do i literally thought of this phrase and i tell this to my parents when they come in with their teens you do know that you're raising a tiny human being right they are human first they are not perfect they are not robots They will make their own mistakes. And sometimes they can get in their head so much um, that they don't think that there's a way out. And we have to calm them down and be that support system and say, look, if I can't help you, we'll find somebody who can. And that's where mental health therapists come in. I firmly believe in that phrase that it takes a village to raise a child. And sometimes we may not be able to give it to them and we may not understand what mental health therapy can look like because we may not have experienced it but that does not mean we can't offer that to our children they need it um and another thing that i love to see is that there's so many celebrities um teens and adults who are coming out and they're saying i have a therapist i need help i have to print protect my mental stability and more so during the pandemic we are seeing how that can have a stronger place so I think that is very very important that awareness is coming around mental health the stigma is being removed and I just encourage parents to make sure you know the signs and make sure you understand how to provide a balanced parenting style you don't want to be too tough you don't want to be too lax Um, but you do want to make sure that they feel that they can come to you when they need help so you can also help expand their support system.
0: Thank you so much for your answer. Panelist three, please state your second topic of discussion and why you feel it is hard to talk about this with your parents.
1: My second topic is struggling in school. And when I was younger, I used to have to stay up with my dad to 12 or even one o'clock just to like understand things. And that kind of goes back to the first topic of having a good open communication, because if nobody knew I was struggling then I wouldn't be able to get help. So that, that's really it, other than, you know, being put in different clubs and different things like that. But there, there was a reason for um, being able to get put in those things. Like, as a child, you don't really understand the things that your parents do. Like, you may disagree with them at the moment, but later on you'll see why that's important.
0: Thank you, Miles. Mr. Williams, how do you feel about what Miles has expressed?
6: Once again, I I agree with Miles with the difficulty and talking about grades and what have you. Just as Dr. Christie stated earlier, we don't want to be too tough. You don't want to be too lenient uh, on your child either, but you do want to express the importance of getting a good education and letting them know that we're here to support you and that we'll be your biggest advocate. Uh, whether that means staying up all night to assist you, yes, we'll do that. We're right here for you. Uh, whether that means getting a tutor or what have you, we'll do that. We'll pay whatever we have to in order to, in an effort to make you successful. It's all about taking care of our children.
0: Miss Laster, do you have any advice on this specific topic? Oh,
3: yes. grades, grades, grades. And I would like to say sometimes it's not just the grades. Sometimes it's socializing. Um, There could be a plethora of things that could cause a student to struggle in school. But I will stick to what Mr. Miles mentioned because he did bring up grades. And I think that it's important that we as adults help the teens understand that they're still growing and changing. There's no perfectionism. You won't get every perfect grade. You won't get every question right. You won't get every project right. I dare to say every subject and every teacher won't be your favorite, but that comes with living and that comes with maturing and growing up. And so I think that it's very important that we teach our teams that Although we may not like it or that it may be hard, that we still have to persevere. And we also have to remember to use the resources that we have around us. If we don't, um, if teens don't use their voice and tell us that they're struggling, sometimes we may think that they're okay. Um, And we have a lot going on. We have A-Day, B-Day schedules where they're split. We do have extracurricular activities. We have our social circles. We have social media, video gaming all the like that can command the attention of a teenage child. Tired. I'm tired. I need to sleep. My body is changing. I'm just sleepy. I'm hungry. I don't want to do homework. So We have so many things that are demanding. Oh, I see those smiles. (laughs) We have so many things that are demanding a teenager's mind that we don't want to add under stress. Help them understand that we weren't perfect when we were in their shoes. We don't expect them to be perfect, but we do want them to do their best and reach their goals. And I think that once we communicate that to them, truly communicate that to them, they feel less anxious. And when they feel less anxious, they tend to not develop that in some of those anxious behaviors and depressive behaviors. And those behaviors won't matriculate into adulthood. So I think if we catch that early and we show them that there's no such thing as perfectionism, and that if you fall, if your grade drops, one semester or one term does not mean that you can't turn around and get it back up. Um, so one C one D is not detrimental, but what can we do to implement it? And don't forget to use those resources you have other students in your grade, those friends, other teachers, your school counselors, um, those support teachers who could pull you out for extra tutoring. Can you get to school early? Can you stay late? Utilize a lot of those free resources so that you can feel, um, supported and loved you're not in this fight alone you have a lot of people here to help you so you don't have to balance that struggle by yourself
0: thank you so much you're welcome okay so now it's time for final thoughts dion what are your final thoughts
3: i'm glad we had this discussion
0: thank you dr Last. mr harrington what are your final thoughts
4: i feel the same um, i'm glad that that floor was opened up through this discussion panel and i thank you so much on dr laster for uh, um, your yeah, insightful words.
0: Corinne, what are your final thoughts on this?
2: Well, I would just like to say how glad I am that we were able to have this conversation and to see the different opinions of each parent and the issues that a lot of teenagers are
0: going through right now. And Miss Allen, what are some of your final thoughts?
5: I agree. I'm, I'm just glad for the opportunity. Um, I would like to think of this as a new village for all of us. And, you know, it, it does take a village and I'm just glad to have the opportunity to hear what the young people have to say and what's on their minds. And a lot of some of the things are kind of universal things that we dealt with when we were young and there some things are different. Um, so I'm glad to have the opportunity to have this conversation. And, and thank you, Ms. Flood and Dr. Laster. You're welcome.
0: Miles, what are your final thoughts on today's episode?
1: I just wanted to thank Dr. Lessen for being here and for giving the advice that she
6: gave.
0: And Mr. Williams, what are your final thoughts?
6: I would agree with Miles. And also, um, I would like to uh, add that I'm also grateful that we had this conversation, especially uh, dealing with mental health, because that's something that um, our community really don't uh, pay very, a whole lot of attention to. And it's, it's a good thing to get it out. Thank you.
0: And Dr. Laster, what are your final thoughts on this episode?
3: And Dr. Laster, what are some of your final thoughts on this episode? I am so very thankful that Mississippi Public Broadcasting has decided to shine a light and bring an awareness to mental health and its regard to teens and how parents perceive teens and how they communicate. I think this is a very, very, very needed topic. And I think that it's important to help the teens feel like their voice is heard. Sometimes our teens feel like no one is listening. I'm yelling internally and nobody hears me. And so I love that we're bringing this awareness and we're showing them that we are a support system that they can tap into and that they are valued and we want to hear them. They are our future leaders and we want to help them be the great people that they are. And as far as the parenting goes, as a parent, as a therapist of parents, Um, I just want to encourage all parents to remember three simple rules when we are supporting our teens: is that we are to be involved, but not to be in control of them. And I know that's hard to hear. That's my child. I get it. But we want to shift the narrative. They are becoming and growing and growing into becoming young adults. So we want to make sure that they know that we're involved, but we're not trying to control every portion of their life. We can advise, but we don't necessarily have to have the final uh, deciding factor. We can support, but we don't have to dominate. And when we communicate, I like to use this acronym, and it's called CALM. (laughs) Like the word CALM, parents. CALM. Teens. Parents. Um, And the C in CALM stands for control your thoughts and actions. Remember who you're talking to, which is your family member, your loved one, and why you're even talking to them assess that's the a in calm assess the topic assess the situation stop and think about what's going on teens and parents stop and think and assess and the l in calm is leave the situation if you're too upset now sometimes parents when we see teens walk off We think they're being disrespectful, but but I have seen this work wonders for teens when they may just say, can we step away from this conversation and come back to it? Even as parents, sometimes we may need the table and I I know we don't like to do that. We want to make sure they hear what we're saying and they get the point in that moment. We gotta realize we're dealing with a new generation of teenagers who have the world at their fingertips. And we want to make sure we're modeling that positive behavior. So sometimes it's okay to leave the situation and come back. And last but not least is the M. Make a deal. Um with your team that you guys will come up with a solution within the 24 hour range so that way there's no hard feelings harbored and it's not escalating into other situations you want to be able to handle the situation swiftly but not to the point where nobody feels valued in the conversation and i'm gonna say another thing teams you may like this teens deserve privacy let me say it again Teens do deserve their privacy remember we don't want them exposing all of their business to the world and one way that we can model that for them is teaching them healthy boundaries and teaching them how to establish those boundaries around their privacy now we don't want them to go out into the world parents and we we don't raise and rear them we don't want to do that but we do want them to feel like they are human beings that we are teaching to be productive members of society and we want to help them understand that their um, privacy matters. And when we teach them that, what we do is we help permit a sense of independence and a sense of confidence within them. We strengthen their decision making. There won't always be attached to our hip. And we want for, we want them to be able to go out into the world and be able to make those decisions. But if we shelter them too much and hold them in the nest and don't give them any room to grow and learn and possibly make mistakes and grow from those mistakes, then we hinder them from their true um, adolescent gears and their adolescent growth. And so with that being said, where does technology come into play? Technology come into play when we give our teens their phones, And their access to social media, yes. And we try to let them interact with the world without us knowing every keystroke that they make. But I want to say that there are some positives that teens can have from social media. And one of those positives is they have the world at their fingertips. That can mean they can dream bigger. They can see so many things that they've never seen before that the state of Mississippi may not be able to show them, that this country may not be able to show them. There's a whole world out there. And there's other amazing teams that they can work with, partner with. And this group shows that. Look at how many different teams are on this call just in the state. And so just imagine how technology can play an important role with that. And when we teach them that other people matter within our family system, And within the world, they develop a way to respect others. And so when we see them interacting with their technology, parents, we can't just, and I say we, we can't just jump to the thought that you're always on that phone. What are you doing? Can you put the phone down and interact with us? technology is a type of interaction. It's not the only, but it is a type. And they may be doing homework. There's a lot of schools who are implementing apps and different programs, so maybe we can ask them what they're doing and let them invite us into their world. And there may be a cool TikTok that we may be able to do with them. They can show us a little something on how to use that technology and make it fun. And so I think that's very important to remember is that they do deserve a little bit of privacy so they can learn how to handle it. And I think that it's important for us to model that every individual within our family systems and within society are important. And we want to make sure that we are modeling how to respectfully agree, disagree, or interact and communicate with others. And we do that in our households, and they're able to take those skill sets out into their school systems and into their community and into their social circles. And so, again, I am so excited that the topic of mental health parenting, and teens are all in the same bowl of information and we're able to present this to the state of Mississippi. Thank you so much. And if somebody would like to contact you, how would they do so? Oh, sure. So I do have a mental health private practice that is located in Flowey, Mississippi, and I can be contacted by email or phone and the name of my practice is Resolve to Restore counseling services and again I'm located in Flowood my phone number is 769-208-5120 again 769-208-5120 and my email is the letter r-r-t-o-r so resolve to restore r-t-o-r counseling at gmail.com And yes, I am a millennial therapist. I am also on social media platforms. You can follow me on Facebook um, on my business page, which is Resolve to Restore Counseling Services. I service teens and adults. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hear
0: ye, hear ye. This student council podcast has now come to an end. We would like to thank the Harringtons, the Williams, and the Allens for joining us today, as well as Dr. Laster. This concludes this Student Council podcast. Please join us next month for another episode. You've been listening to the MPB Student Council podcast. To hear this episode and more, visit education.mpbonline.org. This podcast is hosted with love by ACAST.